Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. everybody welcome back to the turn the jets podcast i'm your host will parkinson at will Paul 11 on twitter instagram and tiktok we're in a browns week joined by a special guest today jeff lloyd host of locked on browns um you know browns nfl stuff diehard mets fan as well so jeff how are we doing today uh we're good here uh you know the transition you know week one to week two um it's insane you know i, I don't think unless you live this life you realize how fast the weeks and months go by once the nfl season starts by um, you know, and like I told everybody, hope you enjoy it. Like for everybody, you know, summer, for me, summer ends probably about July 4th. Um, and then you just ride into it. And, you know, I mean, it seems like it's a long, long time between that time before Labor Day weekend. And then you finally into week one. But by the time you're into week one, I mean, you know, in a blink of an eye, it feels like it's Halloween and, you know, teams are out and, you know, teams are, you know, heading towards solidifying playoff first. Yeah. It's interesting. I was thinking about it, like, you know, Week one ends, kind of didn't feel like it was really week one. There's just so much different stuff going on. There was bad weather in New York, the whole nine yards, and all of a sudden, boom, we're in a week two and the train's rolling. So, um, you know, obviously, Browns get a you know last-second victory, Cade York field goal, you know, to win it in Carolina, the Baker revenge game, the whole nine yards. We don't have to cover any of the offseason stuff and the Sean stuff and all that. Like, that's – right now, it's not really relevant to what's going on, you know, present day on the field. What were your kind of takeaways, I guess, from the week one win? And um, was it kind of what you expected from the Browns? Do you feel like, um, you know, they're kind of shaking out where you thought, or is it a little bit kind of tough to judge week one extended preseason almost? I think you hit the point on the, you know, hit the nail on the head there as far as, you know, maybe extended preseason. Because one thing I've tried to talk about this entire offseason is, you know, whatever anybody's expectations for the Browns were, for me, it felt like they were not accounting for this defense. Um, it's just a solid, solid group. You know, Joe Woods finally has the secondary he's been waiting for in his third year now as defensive coordinator. Uh, you found a way to make sure Jadavian Clowney wanted to stay here in Cleveland. He and Miles Garrett, it, it, it's kind of hard to look at Miles Garrett and say, well, can we find somebody similar to Miles Garrett to play on the opposite edge? And Jadavian Clowney athletically um, maybe plays a little bit more disciplined, you know, as far as a run defender. They're just the perfect pairing there. Um, which kind of, you know, I thought you know, Browns would probably win 24-10. And if you take away, you know, the blown coverage that led to the first uh, touchdown by Christian McCaffrey, you take away the blown coverage to Robbie Anderson, you, you were right around a score about 23-10 to 10 as it was. Um, you know, granted those lapses, you know, they're going to probably happen earlier in the season than they are going to happen later in the season. Um, but they're mistakes that cannot be made. You know, the Browns margin for error right now until Deshaun Watson get back, gets back is, is thin. I mean, it is extremely thin. And when they get to the meat of the schedule, you know, the Chargers and they start playing the Dolphins and then they start playing Cincinnati and they have no margin for error against those teams. So, you know, lapses like that happened in coverage. 
on Sunday will certainly be an issue for this team. Um, but in the same regards, I think winning the way they did was huge. I mean, this is a team that needs to understand, look, we got to give ourselves a chance to tread water here. So when Deshaun Watson does come back in December, there's actually something still to play for. There's something still to fight for. So I think the way they, you know, basically, you know, got up early, um, relinquished, you know, the lead, but were able to basically rally the horses, so to speak, and get out of there in Carolina. First for, you know, first time in 18 years, obviously for a week one win, but now you get to go in your home opener week two, a little bit more confident that maybe this version of this team can contend and can keep basically, you know, the team afloat until you get that major upgrade at the quarterback position. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, Miles Garrett's, I think the, probably the most important player on Sunday. It's if he has the type of impact that, you know, look, the Jets aren't going to hold Miles Garrett down, um, especially with this version of kind of where they're at from a quarterback situation, Joe Flacco playing with glorified ankle weights, um, you know, obviously is not, is not pretty. And, you know, while Baker can move a little bit, it's, you know, he was another guy where like, if you get home, you know, Miles could take advantage. He's not playing, you know, you're not playing the Trey Lance Fields, Lamar's of the world where, you know, even then obviously the Browns ate Justin Fields for lunch last year. So, um, I, there is some the waste kind of I guess you know Browns have big star names and JFK and uh, Denzel Ward, Miles Garrett, Clowney. I would say the spine of the defense, especially in the interior defensive line, is probably an area where the Jets, um, you know, maybe I'll take advantage running the football at least, kind of control the clock a little bit. This game I expect to be pretty low scoring. Uh, I would just would be surprised. I think they're both, you know, defenses that showed out well, you know, in Week One, and the Jets are kind of built a little bit differently than Cleveland, but. Where would you say like the couple areas that you're, I know you mentioned the laps a couple lapses in coverage. Is there any areas you're kind of concerned about going into week two, um, you know, for this matchup where on paper, obviously, yes, the Browns are the better team. Everyone's going to expect with Joe Flacco starting the Browns, you know, win this game at home. Uh, but is there any kind of matchups, I guess, or spots where you go, they need to be good on that, at that, you know, that thing to, to kind of get a victory on Sunday and not allow an upset to happen. Well, I mean, you look at this Jets wide receiver. I mean, Corey Davis, former number one pick. Uh, obviously, you know, Gar- uh, you know uh, Garrett Wilson, number one pick. You know, Elijah Moore, I don't care what anybody says, should have been a number one pick. Braxton Berrios, just a pain in that, you know, pain in the neck as far as, you know, a player you're defending. These are four solid receivers. You know, even, you know, you got to understand they're going to get theirs, um, but, you know, tackling is going to be paramount. Um, this is one of the reasons why, for me, the communication is going to, you know, it can't be an issue this week with these type of receivers. Um, you know, all of them kind of with the ability to be able to, you know, get deep. You know, Braxton Barrios, uh, Barrios runs great, great routes, which, you know, will allow for him to get separation. It always seems that, you know, he excels when he's on the field where it's okay, your attention is here, there, nobody's on me. And I think he kind of takes that a little bit personally and does his best to, you know, create separation, make a lot of big plays. Um, I think part of it, though, as far as the communication aspect was, is you know, guys were in and out in the summer, and it happens. You know, Greg Newsom, and it was Greg Newsom and John Johnson the third. That was the issue as far as the Robbie Anderson touchdown. And you know, you don't take reps with guys; it's difficult. And look, and game reps are everything. You know, we can say all we want about preseason, this, that, and the other thing. Players that are out there, look, if you know you're a starter. No one's going to admit it, but you know you're going 75%. You're doing everything you can not to hurt yourself. Um, But you saw those two, and it was literally like a little freeze frame as John Johnson was coming north and Greg Newsom was late getting south as far as Jason Robbie Anderson. And you saw it in Greg Newsom's eyes like, oh, no, Uh uh-oh. I mean, you just knew it. But you can't can't have that week in, week out. And this defense has the capabilities – to be dominant. So those wide receivers certainly, yeah, I mean, why certainly concern me. Um, you know, Browns went out and the Browns really don't have a slot corner. 
Um, you know, they were saying, oh, maybe we could use Greg Newsom there. Maybe we can use Denzel Ward there. You know, why take, you know, as I say, why are you going to take a Ferrari, Ferrari to the grocery store? You know, let guys do what they do. Don't ask them to, you know, do other things. They picked up Thomas Graham this week from the Chicago Bears, you know, played a little bit as a rookie, was promising. Um, you know, somehow fell out of favor, ended up on the practice squad. You know, he's a player I like, just a chirpy physical slot corner. I don't know how much he would be ready to even contribute in this game. Um, so, you know, concerns there, of course, is, you know, the Jets wide receivers are a formidable unit. And if there's anything Joe Flacco has going for himself at his age, it's the fact he's still got a decent arm. Um, the defensive tackle room. Um, didn't really get to see it. And like, I tried to let everybody know this going in the Panther game, you know, everybody, you know, it's been a concern and it's been on the Browns fans mind, but you know, Chris McCaffrey's ever guy that's made his living between the tackles. So you weren't really concerned about who was playing defensive tackle. Um, Jets are going to run a little bit more between the tackles. Um, the guy to watch there is to Tommy Togiai. Um, for me, Tommy Togiai, you know, he, he was drafted, you know, almost a year early. A lot of people felt he shouldn't have left Ohio state at the time that he did the Browns when they drafted him understood that it was going to be a process contribute a little bit as a rookie uh, showed, you know, a little bit, you know, showed that maybe there's some growth there over the summer and in week one, um, you know, Taven Bryant's here. Um, I, I think the plan is for Taven Bryant to hopefully get supplanted and supplanted quickly. Jordan Elliott put in a monster, monster effort this off season. You know, here was a guy kind of, more Sheldon Richardson built on the inside, you know, somebody like 300 was his max. He made every effort to make himself a legitimate size defensive tackle at 320. It doesn't look like the quickness has, you know, subsided with the extra weight. It was all really good muscle, positive muscle put on. It's on these guys, you know, I mean, everybody, you know, why haven't the Browns had a defensive tackle? The Browns commit to what they draft. And, you know, even if you are a day three pick, they're most likely going to give you three years to prove it and figure it out. Uh, so that's going to be key. I mean, you know, the Jets, obviously, you know, it was, you know, 59 passes. Some of that was game dictated week one as far as throwing the ball 59 times. Um, but, you know, you're going to start the game off. You're going to try to hope for a little more balance here. Um, so with that, that's going to key. the key isn't so much for the Browns defense tackles to make plays as much as it is to consume, you know, and JOK is here for one reason, run around like a wild man, make plays. Anthony Walker is smart, disciplined, can make plays. Jacob Phillips, another guy who's got good speed at the linebacker position. Their job isn't in, to go in there and blow things up. Their job is to just go in there and make sure that the athletes can go be athletes. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, and I'll get into this more on Friday's show a little bit, but we talked about this. I think we talked about this yesterday. You know, the Browns are a team that, in a, some ways, similar to the Jets, they want to get pressure with four. They want to be able to sit back and have Miles and Jadavian Clowney's guys pin their ears back. Maybe you bring a fifth guy, uh, but they want to be able to sit in zone, sit in some man, and be able to just like everything's in front of them and make you let your guys go make plays and let Miles Garrett be a wrecking ball. And it's very different to what the Ravens do. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of Jets fans are like, oh, the Ravens didn't bring a lot of pressure and stuff. They do, but they bring pressure in different ways. And the Ravens are a ton of press man they're going to show a lot of man and then drop back in the zone it was it was a lot right and I think they're different defenses they both have you know their, their strengths for sure and look Lake and Tomlinson and George Fant are not going to play as bad as they played on Sunday George Fant has moved he rehabbed all offseason barely practiced during camp plays right tackle and then all of a sudden moves back to left tackle it was a mess Lake and Tomlinson is a damn good football player especially in the run game, you will not see a performance the way he had on Sunday. I mean, if that's what's, if he starts playing like that, that contract is going to get ugly quickly. Um, Elijah Vera Tucker needs to have a big game on Sunday for the Jets. He, we mentioned defensive tackles. He was fantastic in the run game on Sunday. Like the Jets ran for six yards of carry against a really stout Ravens defense. They just only ran the ball 17 times because they couldn't move the ball on third down. 
they got to be better on third down. And then again, where a guy like Miles Garrett comes into play of, you know, it's third and five, you better get the ball out quick and let these guys make plays because as we saw, Ike Aquanu learned quickly. Um, unfortunately, Miles doesn't even slow down when he's bending the corner. We'll, we'll shift to the offensive side of the ball. I thought, you know, I think well, interesting comes, enough, yeah. just not to cut you off, but interesting yeah, no, no. enough, my, Miles Garrett's first career sack was against the New York Jets' his rookie year in 2017 with one and a half sacks on Sunday. Miles Garrett, at this point in his career, will become the all-time Cleveland Browns leader in sacks. So you definitely, definitely feel there's probably going to be some motivation there Sunday for Miles. And I think, you know, with the Browns never did captains the last couple of years under the Stefanski regime. And with all that went on this offseason, I think rightfully so, they did in Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb, Joel Batonio. Um, and I, I think you're seeing a difference in these guys with the fact that, you know, they understand, hey, this is our team. Um, you know, we may have a change at the quarterback, but, you know, I, you definitely see a different type of drive in some of these guys here. And it's not just about being vocal because that's not really any of their style, but it's more about, you know, you better keep your eyes on me because this is how the way we handle ourselves. Yeah, it's interesting. The Jets kind of have asked C.J. Mosley to be more vocal, but part of the way C.J. Mosley leads is just like, I'm going to do all the right things and I want you to follow me. I've been there. I've done that. Well, I'm too the, tired doing yeah. all the work to lead. Yeah, yeah no, I can only do I so do. much. <laughs> yeah, watch me and someone else can talk. Um, I'll get, we'll get into a couple of things at the end that I'm kind of curious <clears> from a Brown's perspective. A lot of what the Jets are kind of going through right now, especially with the receipts thing. I'm curious kind of your take on it, but offensively i'm sure you know as we kind of mentioned look if the browns can hold the jets i'm sure their defense is going can we go hold them under 14 points if we do that we probably feel good at worst case we win 17 14 it's a hard fought game best case it's a 24 10 whatever it is offensively obviously you kind of know what you're getting with jacoby Brissett. um the jets run defense looked like a totally different unit than last year obviously the worst run defense in football last year it felt like they could not get a stop ever they were really impressive Sunday. I, I really genuinely was like, this is a different team. They tackled well. The front seven moved well. They pushed the pocket. The linebackers filled. Jordan Whitehead, although he struggled a little bit on a couple of plays with miscommunication, was really good in the run game, coming up and, you know, popping some guys. The Browns offense obviously is built around Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, as it should be. <laughs> Nick Chubb is an absolute <laughs> menace. And I, I still think sometimes we don't realize how just how good he is and how hard he is to bring down. Um, that said, the Browns offensive line is still a very good unit. I don't know that it's the unit it was probably two years ago, just with injuries and obviously, you know, no more J.C. Treader and Conklin's been out for a long time. And um, I'm not sure what we'll see with him, you know, for it's, you know Sunday if he, if he does play. But you obviously have the Amari Coopers, you know, even to a lesser extent, maybe an Anthony Edwards who can, you know, break a big play. Where should, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones, obviously there's a lot of weapons there, but if you're the Jets, you're selling out for the run and, and saying, Nick Jacoby beat me. No, because like you can't let Nick Chubb beat you. That's what the Panthers did, and they lose the game. Well, we, like, for me, yeah. I mean, you know, but again, but it still just done. happened. It still just happens. And when you run this wide zone, the thing is, is, is basically it's two to three running plays in one. So, you know, Nick Chubb is intelligent enough. Okay, there's the daylight to the outside. So I know minimum I got four or five. Then it's the sideline. Can I break somebody there? Or, you know, just he processes so quickly that, you know, and he's such a strong, thick back that even if it's even Steven, okay, so it's your right arm versus my entire 215 pounds. He's got a lot of faith to break through those arm tackles. Um, he's really, really smart about setting up the cutback lanes. The other thing he's really intelligent about is he'll take a dud or two. Like, he'll see that it was maybe there and, like, almost kind of keep it in the back of his mind. All right, I know we're going to run this seven, eight more times. So, you know what, I'm not going to give that away 
just now. So you have to think about that. You, you have to think about the abilities of what he's able to do in that respect. Um, and then you, you, know, you factor in Kareem Hunt as well. And they're different styles. And Stump Mitchell had obviously even spoken about this um, you know, during the um, – during the, the, the summer about Kareem Hunt, he's like, if I could get him to be a little bit more patient um, and me, almost meaning like he's kind of like leaving a little bit on the field. But the thing is, is Kareem is just so physical and Kareem is just at like 100 miles an hour. You just not, you can't change his style at this point. So the Browns sometimes don't always run him on the wide zone. They'll run a little bit more, you know, between the guard center hole. That's what led to his 25 yard touchdown on Sunday for Kareem hunt. Um, yeah, Amari Cooper, look, he was putting people, you know, in a mixer all day on Sunday, Jacoby Brissett, the play speed was slow. You could see it. And look, you can understand kind of, you know, here's a guy coming to a new team, coming to a new offense. They're trying to get Deshaun Watson, the reps he needs because they think the suspension is going to be minimal. Um, so, you know, what do we really have to do for Jacoby? He needs just enough. Then it changes. So Jacoby was kind of late to the game, uh, missed a throw to Cooper early that he should have just hit him on the numbers because it was a third and short. He would have gotten the first down. Um, the uh, DPI in the end zone was huge. Obviously got the Browns on the board. Um, you think there's going to be more David Njoku. Um, but Jacoby Brissett needs to play at a faster pace for this offense to have success because you're not going to be able to just go out there and run for 200 yards plus week in and week out. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, Jets fans obviously remember the, the 09, 2010, you know, era Jets, 2008, even where Thomas Jones and Sean Green and LT and these guys are just over and over again trying to tackle these guys 20, 25 times a game, 30 times a game. You get beat down as a defense, and it's kind of that war of attrition of, are you going to be bought in 30 straight times to get <laughs> to try to tackle Nick Chubb? Are you going to be bought in? And if the Jets are up for the battle, which they were on Sunday, look, I think Browns fans would love to copy the Jets – a majority of what the Jets did on Sunday against the Ravens, where Lamar hold Lamar is 17 rushing yards, the Ravens is 60 rushing yards. Like that's, you know, that that doesn't normally happen. Obviously, you'd like the the Jets to score more, so that game would have been a lot different. Um, Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Is there anywhere that you think that if you're, you know, you look you look at the Browns, right, and from a Jacoby persistent, he's not going to beat himself. What did you see from Omari Cooper, uh, you know, specifically Sunday? Because I felt like you watched some of the tape, you know, there's throws there. I mean, I know the one that kind of went viral on Twitter was, you know, he made a really nice move and it's kind of a whole shot and cover two and just Jacoby missed him. He missed, you know, whatever. Do you expect him to have a much bigger impact as the season goes along or you think it's going to be kind of slowly until Deshaun comes back where they can kind of build that chemistry? Um, well, I mean, if you look at I mean, Jacoby Brissett, you know, obviously a guy who's been in a ton of film rooms over the year and a bunch of different systems. Um, look, it's about finding open guys. And Jacoby's an intelligent enough guy to know in that situation, you know, what am I doing trying to even bother with the safety? You know, in that situation, you got to get the first down. So you get it to Amari as soon as he possibly can. And then what do you have? You have a one-on-one Amari versus, you know, a safety. Um, it's just the play speed. Look, Jacoby Brissett, there's nothing about him that resonates quick. Um, you know, very kind of almost similar to Joe Flacco, you know, big kind of long. It just doesn't, you know, boom, it doesn't happen like a middle infielder for these type of guys. 
So he's got to be smarter. He's got to be quicker and he's got to get through his read progression faster. Um, you know, cause a lot of times, you know, Amari Cooper is going to be the first read. Um, so if it is, and he's getting open, you got to get it out there. And the thing is he got to challenge vertically um, in order to challenge vertically, a guy who has a slower release, a slower processing, you're not going to get to your secondary and your third options you know, unless you were quick, you know, getting through the reprogression because he just doesn't have the mechanics. He's not built like that mechanically. So he just has to play at a faster pace. Um, you know, obviously going out there, getting, you know, real situation against Carolina Panthers was big, um, but he's, it, it's, it's not going to be good enough once you start playing better teams. And, you know, it's the NFL. Yes, you can have a great defense, but you cannot expect a great defense to carry you week in, week out in this league. Hey, look, look the Jets, like I said, like the Jets held the Ravens at 270 yards. Forced two turnovers when they obviously didn't recover because the Jets never jump on a fumble. Um, and, you know, they still lose by, you know, 15 points, right? Like that's <laughs> the end of the day, you know, you got to put the ball in the end zone. You got to make kicks. I guess I want to kind of get your thought before we get a prediction and before, you know, do one Met, you know, one uh, Mets and Yankees thing. Look, this week, as you, I'm sure everyone saw the, the Robert Sala comments basically about, you know, people mocking the Jets, you know, in terms of rehabbing the receipts and they're going to turn things around and they're close and they're close and, uh, they want to make people eat their words, all that stuff, right? And I, I like the, the kind of a not aggression, but the fact there's some fire, <laughs> there's some fire there. There's some like they they feel a little bit of heat, and I think that's important sometimes. Um, obviously, you want it to be controlled, and you don't want to be kind of it's week one, so it's a little wild. This is already happening, but coming from a Browns perspective, it's so clear. Obviously, the narrative just flips the second you start winning. How? you know, the, the narrative stops being same old Brown, same old Jets, kind of, I guess, empathetically, or just from your side of things, looking at it from not from a Brown's perspective, how does like, how does it appear on the outside of like kind of what's going on with the Jets? Are you like, is it just, it's a matter of just winning or is there like, is there a lot more to it than, uh, than that? Well, look, it does come down to winning, but I think for Robert Sala, it's like, well, you know what, look, you think we did all of this, you know, for Joe Flacco? I mean, like, did you think we put all of this into this roster for Joe Flacco? I mean, it's a tough spot for the Jets. You know, was Zach Wilson missing the time he is? But, you know, they're absolutely 100% handling this the correct way. Um, you need a true evaluation here in Zach Wilson. You have a lot invested into this ball club. Um, and look, the Ravens week one, if the knee wasn't right, that's not a good matchup. You're going here against Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney in week two with, you know, George Fant now going to have to play the left side, which it doesn't seem like he's overly thrilled about. You got a rookie on the right side. This is not a great matchup for Zach Wilson. So even if you were going to be into these games, he better be 100%. And I think for solid, it's like, well, you're judging my team, but the most important player on any given roster, I don't have my guy playing. So, you know, I, I can understand him being a little frustrated, a little bit agitated. Um, he's, that's also just kind of the way the guy is. I mean, he is, a, you know, we all know Robert Sala is a fired up individual. So, I mean, you say anything negative about his team, he's, you know, definitely pocketed in that way. He's definitely storing that for a rainy day. It's just tough because, you know, they're out there right now. And you know, what needs to be the biggest element as far as the Jets being a successful team is not a part of it right now. So, you know, with that, yeah, I can understand man, and being upset. No way they put invested all this, invested three first-round picks, you know, to say, oh, we're going to get one more year out of Joe Flacco. This team's all about Zach Wilson, and we'll see where it is. Hopefully, come week four for the Jets, you'll you know, get to see hopefully a little bit more of what they think is, you know, the, the uh, I would say, the uh, primetime product, so to speak. Yeah, no, at the end of the day, quarterback and coach are the most important things in the sport. And right now, it's an incomplete on the coach, and it's incomplete on the quarterback. And, you know, like anyone can tell you, the Browns figured out they felt like they had one, not the other. And that's why they made the move from Baker to Deshaun Watson was, we feel like we have the right coach. We have the right roster, right GM. We just don't feel like we're right at quarterback. Um, I think that's where the Jets need to get to. As I think 
end of the end of the year, it needs to either be Zach's the guy, or if Zach's not the guy, do we have the roster to compete with somebody else of a veteran level? Is it a rookie? Is it whoever it is? Can we get to the point where we're we're one guy away and it's either the quarterback or it's the coach or whatever it is. You want to make sure you're at that point where you, you at least know most of, you know, most of the battle of Raiders felt like they're one coach away and other guy, you know, one receiver and one coach away from being really good. So I guess prediction, I assume you're going to go Brown's victory here. Um, you know, make sure anyone that's obviously listening, make sure you're plugged into, uh, you know, Jeff's stuff on Lathan Browns. He does a really good job, has great guests, um, you know, breaks the team down. So if you want to get more of a preview, make sure you listen to that. But prediction, uh, prediction for Sunday, what are you feeling? I, I think that the Browns are going to play well. Look, it's going to, it's going to be an amped up stadium at first energy um, you know, home game. I mean, uh, week one, always, I mean, first home game always is at first energy, um, you know, like Browns fans forever. Like, you know, Hey, we don't know what's bad until it's bad. So everybody goes into it with promise. Um, the one and O carryover is going to be you know essential for that. Um, I think the Browns are going to squeak it out. I don't think the Browns are in any position right now to be beating teams badly. You know, this could be, you know, a, a weird one, a 21, 16, a 23, 16, something like that. The key is going to be for the Browns is, you know, if the defense can just tighten it up, because if the Browns defense can tighten it up, uh, they're pretty much capable and built to be able to put the clamps down on any offense they face, especially when it's running with a second string quarterback. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm gonna wait to get, <clears throat> excuse me, wait to get my prediction till uh, till Friday. But right now, I'm still leaning, uh, you know, a 17-14 Browns win. If I had to go right now, you know, gun to my head, had to figure it out. I think it's a competitive game. I think it's one that if the Jets don't come out fired up, um, I'm not sure. The shambles you think yesterday occurred in, in the media room, it'll get ratcheted up real <laughs> quick. Coming home to play the Bengals week three. <laughs> You're a Mets guy. I'm a Yankees guy. Two quick questions baseball-wise. One, are you worried at all about the way they're playing against a lot of these bad teams on the schedule from a Mets perspective, or is it this is just kind of what happens and you'd rather them be cold right now than uh, than in two weeks' time? Uh, well, look, I mean, they're a little bit of difficulty. I mean, they have four they have four, four pitchers. You know, obviously, Max Scherzer being one of them. Three relievers, you know, all trying to work their way back here. So the problem is, is you're in this spot where you have good relievers that you're only going to use in games where it looks like you're going to win. And then you have guys that essentially don't even – shouldn't even be here. Um, you know, Buck Showalter, as much as he wants to praise Pete Alonso and uh, Francisco Lindor for playing every single game to this point, when you had an eight-and-a-half game lead, you had a nine-game lead, maybe that was a chance to, you know, get a guy's a little – you know, a little rest then. But I think in the back of Buck, Buck's mind says, you know, I don't care who it is in October, I'm going to throw Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer, and Chris Bassett against whoever. So you want to know what? I, I think that's going to play out for them. It's going to play out well. Uh, still kind of like tinkering with the what is the optimum lineup for this team. And Buck's been smart about as far as maximizing who's hot, who's not. It's kind of weird that you thought Eduardo Escobar and, you know, the catchers as a whole would be guys that would be just, you know, really, really strong contributors on the offensive side of the ball here in, uh, in September. It's been a fun year. It really has, uh, you know, but in the same respect, you know, you know, everybody was down about it last week. Uh, they played two, three game series. They went four and two. They won both series. Um, they've lost two games to the Cub, but then the Pirates come in for four. I mean, it's still there for a four and three week, five and two week. Um, you know, I, I think you get to this point, and I think the Yankees are kind of going through it to it now. It's like, you know, it's kind of playing out the string type of thing. It's not good. It's certainly not a good look by any means whatsoever. Um, but, you know, you kind of do hit that wall. Um, and you just, you know, you got to get through it and, you know, starting to realize that, you know, the, the bigger games are coming, you know, the, the, the brighter lights, so to speak, you know, they're coming, but you kind of, you can't just, you know, kind of play your way out through the string. You got to finish strong. 
No, it makes 100% sense. We'll finish with this one. I know you're not a Yankees guy. Obviously, the most hotly contested for absolutely no reason debate in baseball right now is Judge or Otani as an MVP candidate. I will leave these two stats that war was created for a reason, and Aaron Judge is significantly a higher-rated player in war, and he's playing out of position. Um, and he's probably having one of the five best-hitting seasons we've seen since black and white TV stopped being a thing. Um <laughs> Who's, who would be your MVP if you had a vote? And, uh, you know, is it a little bit crazy that this is the, the number one topic in baseball right now with all these other fun things happening? Well, first things first, you know, the Angels, they're not good. They're not good. And, you they're know, awful. anytime <laughs> they're not, they are not good. So basically it's like, you know, oh, let's go see Otani pitch. Or if we're going to an Angel game, let's hope Otani hits one out. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, you know, offensively, Mike Trout is a better offensive player. He's a better offensive player than Otani. You can't like, say that. You can't say that though, out loud. I mean, I, I'll say it out loud. I mean, this this was over for it's been over for quite a while. You know, Aaron Judge is the MVP, and look, you even want to mention Otani. The first thing I'm going to do is look at record. I look at record. Come on, stop. There's the way you can you know, a number one, he plays with Mike Trout, so that eliminates him from being an MVP. A number two, his team isn't going anywhere. So I mean, you know, you want to even give him a vote? Yeah, that's fine. But you know, it's unanimous, absolutely unanimous. Yeah, no, I mean, look, Judge leads the league in runs, home runs, RBIs. He's third in average, most walks, OPS, slugging, OPS plus, OVP, uh, intentional walks. And he is going to be a 10 more player this year, which is absolutely egregious um, for anybody that follows baseball. That stuff does not happen often. Um, obviously, again, as I mentioned before, all week long, Lockdown Browns, if you guys want to get some more preview from the Browns perspective, kind of get yourself ready for Sunday. Um, you know, Jeff does a fantastic job, obviously, and has for a long time. So make sure you guys are plugged into that. Um, follow Jeff on Twitter and, uh, you know, good luck on Sunday, man. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I can I can talk some shit to you on, uh, on Monday morning. Realistically, might not going to happen, but, you know, I'll be optimistic. It's it's going to be a crucial one because the Browns play, you know, we'll kick it off again Thursday with Pittsburgh coming to town um, and all that comes from there. So. So, I mean, if the Browns can find a way to go into that one, 2-0, we'll see what Pittsburgh does this week. Uh, could make for a big, big matchup. Um, and the Browns, look, these are the, these. are they can't give any of these away. They have a gauntlet of seven games after this first four that is really, really packed with some of the strongest teams in the NFL, in the AFC especially. Um, ones that the Browns should win, they are in no position to lose them now because I don't know if they can make some of these up. Yeah, it's interesting. Look, again, this is a game for the Jets where you look at the schedule – you don't win this week. You start going, when's the next win going to come? Obviously, again, anything can happen in the NFL. But coming off of uh, coming off of a lot of the stuff that's been said this week, there's no excuse not to come out. If they could steal one, the Jets schedule all of a sudden, you go, okay, now we're coming home one and one Zach magically comes back a week early because he's clearly – they're clearly trying to get the perfect situation. So, if you're the Jets, you got to win this one and get keep it close because, obviously, the quarterback play and then – from a Browns perspective, as you mentioned, you can't give games like this away when you know that you got to tread water until Deshaun comes back in a tough division. Um, although no TJ Watt against the Browns is a huge W for uh, for both the Jets and the uh, Browns, frankly. Um, potentially no Najee Harris, if depending on how that ankle goes. So again, appreciate you hopping on and, uh, and we'll talk to you guys next week.